Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Sam Mitchell, who's in Indiana, and Sam is an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, avid fan of WWE, and creator and host of the Autism Rocks Rolls podcast, a successful podcast about individuals and their experiences with autism. Autism Rocks and Rolls also operates as a 503c nonprofit to help promote awareness, inclusion, and acceptance for those on the autism spectrum and throughout our communities. So welcome to the show, Sam. I'm really excited to have you here today to share more about your story. Yeah, thank you again. Good to be here. So since we're both podcasters, that seems like a good place to start the conversation. Can you share a little bit about how you became interested in podcasting and how long you've been hosting? Yep. So hello, everyone. My name is Sam Mitchell. I run the podcast Autism Rocks and Rolls. I've been hosting it for four years. My podcast is about autism and how we cope with daily struggles that you may or may not understand. I've had big guests on the show, such as Temple Grant and Mick Foley, but I've had many others as well. Yeah, I saw you actually have a ton of episodes and really amazing to just see the consistency and the commitment. I'm curious because so much of your podcast is really about your experiences and the shared experiences of people who have autism and also I think their families and friends and people who want to understand more. From your standpoint, what motivated you to become active in spreading awareness about autism? Being diagnosed, first of all, but uh, second, I would probably say that one to start my own podcast. I figured this would be a good opportunity to do some helping, and I didn't expect it to grow as big as it did, because I was expecting a few hits in there, whoop-de-doo, really. But then after a while, I developed sponsors and started growing to a bigger nonprofit and went on a bigger platform and a bigger scale. You mentioned a big part of when you wanted to start advocating more was because of your own diagnosis. So how old were you when you were diagnosed with autism? Very young. I would think I was four. Do you remember understanding it at that age? Or do you feel like you had to grow up a little bit to be able to understand how having autism affected your life? Well, that's a very good question. I would say I probably did a little bit of growing up. I was still a child at heart, but I did a little bit of growing up because I saw just the exclusion, the stereotyping. And until I read a book called Understanding Sam, can't remember the author's name, sadly, I was very confused, didn't understand what the deal was, I just thought, well, I'm just interested to be a loner. So when I guess got the diagnosis at four, I wasn't told for a couple of years. But then when I read, I guess that was kind of like my eureka moment. And then that makes, okay, this is why this is happening. This is happening because of this. And I thought, okay, I'll try. I don't know if I can improve these behaviors, but this is why I'm getting bullied. This is why I'm getting excluded. This is why I'm dealing with the fun stereotyping you can imagine. And it sounds like because you do motivational speaking as well and coaching, 
that there is that emotional side of autism and how you handle your emotions, but also that aspect of bullying is something that resonates with me a lot. While I don't have autism, I grew up feeling very different and feeling like I didn't belong and I was bullied for different reasons. And so I'm empathetic to that. And I'm curious for you, when you were being bullied, it sounds like you wanted to feel included and accepted, but it wasn't something maybe that you understood how to navigate because you were so young. So do you feel like learning to understand your diagnosis gave you an opportunity to help explain to other people those things that you were discovering about yourself, why you did certain things and maybe help them understand so that helped relieve some of the bullying? Or did you feel like battling that as you were going through understanding your diagnosis? Oh, I was battling as I went through. I would say that there were times where I got bullied because I had an autistic moment and it just wasn't a great feeling at the end of the day. Very sad that led to a lot of anxiety and probably some depression. But like I say, I went through it. You have such a positive attitude and your desire to share your message and help people is really powerful. And I think that one of the things, you know, that is really important that you also acknowledge is relinquishing this sense of normalcy that we apply to humanity. You know, what is normal? Normal doesn't exist. From your perspective, how do you feel you've been able to carve out space for yourself in understanding your identity through your autism diagnosis and then also really owning that and being able to be proud of that because you are able to do so much? Well, I think growing up quicker was part of the solution because you said I had to grow up quicker. I had to grow up quicker before the podcast began. And I think I grew up quicker during the podcast as well. So definitely, I think the answer to that was growing up really fast and seeing that, trying trying to know my identity, that way I could utilize it in the adult world to maybe have a better adult world versus a better child world, world, I guess is what you call it. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you, you're still very young. You started this podcast when you were still in your teens, you really gained this interest through what you had shared your media classes in school and wanting to create a platform where you could share your experiences. And you've had this opportunity to interview, as you mentioned earlier, some really amazing world-renowned guests on your show from NASCAR drivers to American Idols. And as you mentioned, Mick Foley, who's a WWE wrestler. And of course, Dr. Temple Grandin, who I would probably say for anybody who's not keenly attuned to the autism community would still potentially know that name because she's just probably the most renowned autism activist that I can think of. What was that experience like when you had that interview? Was that a really powerful moment for you? It was a powerful moment. Temple Grand actually called us actually after we emailed her and about my mom about passed out. I was just whatever, but <laughs> my mom's kind of is like her number one, like loves her. I like her. But the funny part is she loves me more than her. Kind of kind of ironic there. However, in all seriousness, though, she was great. It was definitely a very powerful interview, as you could definitely take a lot from her, even when you are autistic or not. But still, a lot of people on spectrum, spectrum, a lot of parents look at her work and are just like, wow. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that too, because something I really loved about the conversation you and she had was how you both shared tactics that work for each of you to simplify your lives and sharing those experiences of things that are more difficult for you to navigate, multitasking, which can make things like learning how to drive more difficult, but understanding that 
There are ways that you can do those things. They just require maybe a little bit a different approach or creating a different environment to be able to do that in the most effective way. Do you feel like coming out of that conversation that you walked away with helpful information that you can apply to your life? Yeah, I would say so. So the way you also spoke about creating professional opportunities with each other that match your interests and passions was really fascinating. She spoke a bit about her experience working with animals and you shared your passion for podcasting and for really connecting with people. When you think about how you might be able to help someone who was either recently diagnosed with autism or a family member trying to understand someone with autism. Is there anything in particular you feel is important for people to really be able to let go of their preconceived notions? What would you tell them to help them understand somebody who's on the spectrum more? I guess what I would tell them is to learn patience. That's something you have to do. But you have to pick your battles. You're going to have days where you're very having a difficult time, but they're also going to have days where you're going to be like wow this is amazing because each day is different but it's also a time for a new opportunity yeah I, I really like that outlook sam that i think ties into your thoughts on really understanding how people on the spectrum see things in a unique way is there anything specific about your personality that you feel like given your autism diagnosis this is something that you leverage that you feel has helped you grow probably the fact that I'm very creative, a lot of creative thinking has a lot grown. I've learned now that there are times in life where I have had to do some, what would you call it? Very unique solutions and very, I call them unrealistic, but non-harmful solutions that have helped me. And I just don't have to do them regardless. And if you don't like it, you can leave me alone. <laughs> That's fair. One of my good friends has a I'm not for everybody policy, and I like that. I'll back that that policy up 100%. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, well, how do you think that we can help improve the perception of what it means to be on the autism spectrum and to help release that negative stigma that exists for a lot of people in society? Well, I just got off the phone, not off the phone, off an interview. Actually, I was interviewing someone for the next episode. And I guess something that he said was, don't take it personal. Because sometimes of our perceptions, we are at a different language and it can go bounce the other way where he said something, but he didn't mean to that way and the eggs on his face. Yeah. So do you think that that's something that is a bit specific for somebody who's on the spectrum to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to take this as personally. And if I don't take it as personally, then I can maybe communicate more effectively with people if I... No, that's for the other person. Okay. You could take it the wrong way 100%. But in reality, I was trying to say it that way. Okay, I understand what you're saying. So it's more our interpretation of how we're being communicated to making sure that we are trying to get what the core message of what you're saying is and not just think, okay, the way that you said it to me is indicative of what you meant. Yeah. As an entrepreneur and business owner, when we consider inclusion and the way that um, we all show up in the world, what do you think or do you have any ideas on what businesses could do better to support potential employees or existing employees who are on the autism spectrum? According to them like you would anyone else, because everyone in this world needs accommodations. Every type of person, old men, young people, those on the spectrum, those with spina bifida, 
same thing. Accommodate to them. Give them what they need within reason. You can't give them everything. You can't make their job as easy as cake, but you can make their job a little bit more simpler to where it's not going to be turned into a disastrous tornado. So can you elaborate on that a little bit when you think about simplifying something for people who need an accommodation like that? When you were speaking to Dr. Temple Grandin, you had mentioned having step-by-step notes or something like that can be useful. Is that along the lines of what you're thinking in terms of accommodation or are there other things that cross your mind? that maybe or trying to help them out. I mean, showing them how to stock the shelf. Showing them how to, maybe, is another idea. You throw him to the wolves because they'll figure it out their own way. Not the nicest accommodation, but it's one. In your own experience, do you find it more helpful to be put in a situation and left to figure it out um, on your own so you aren't really being told this is specifically how you have to do it? Or do you prefer to yeah. be given guidelines? Yep, 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 yep. Oh, yeah. That is your 100% answer. Yes, times a thousand. I'd rather be thrown into the wolves than honestly be protected. That's an interesting way of putting it, too. Do you think that um, people who are either related to or in communities with people who are on the spectrum try to protect too much and then take away your um, ability to operate on your own because they're trying to protect too much? I mean, I think it's necessary for protection. I think there are some types of things in life that are kind of shady. And I think for the majority of them, as a child, I've been protected by them and with every right. So believe me, because I don't think I understand what's going on with those shady things. But I think if you hover them too much and you tell them step by step, because there's a phase for a while where I was in middle school and my mother would tell me basic elementary school stuff. And in regardless, I didn't need that. I was like, okay, I know that. I'm in the sixth grade. You can tell me middle school stuff now. So when you protect them too much, they kind of get on your nerves and you kind of damage the relationship, sadly. Well, I think that's a really good perspective, Sam. It's important. It sounds like you were able to communicate well with your mom about what you needed when you felt like she was maybe protecting you a little too much. Do you guys have a good level of communication now, you feel, as you've grown up and become more aware of what you need yeah but but if you my rule is you don't hear me out i'm gonna snap i used to care like the answer like some people agree to disagree and i mean i'll admit it i'm not the best with that but uh, i'm better at it so i mean it sounds like you know yourself pretty well (laughs) oh yeah i think i I I know too well sometimes (laughs) yeah i can understand that the self-awareness that you bring to the conversation is really powerful I also think, you know, in my own experience, my ex was a behavioral specialist for children with autism. And I will say I've learned so much more about autism because of that relationship. And I will be incredibly grateful for it because I was really ignorant before um, we had met. I think a lot of people, if similar to me in this regard, is that if you aren't exposed and you don't have people in your life who are on the autism spectrum, that it's really difficult to understand the varieties of diagnoses that there are for people with autism. And you're a very high functioning individual, but not everybody has all of the words that you have or the ability to communicate as effectively as you do. Do you have any thoughts on how to help people understand the best way to 
approach somebody who has high functioning autism, let's say, and to be able to engage with them in a meaningful way. Because I think the hardest thing is somebody on the other side of it can be feeling a sense of not wanting to offend somebody or not wanting to say something that might be wrong, but wanting to still engage. Well, I'll admit that's a reasonable fear. My grandfather, who's actually on my board now, admitted that he was just had the same fear. He didn't want to offend anyone. He's not like that now, thankfully, because he learned a lot from me. But I would say that each person on the spectrum is very different. So interacting with them is going to be a little different as well. But you understand, they, they want to interact with you. They know they're going to have to bend. So if they're willing to bend, your turn to bend. Yeah. I do think to some extent, part of it is really making sure that in any conversation, we're showing up with a sense of empathy and humanity for each other. Like you said earlier, sometimes we all have to compromise in conversations. We need to be willing to understand each other. Now more than ever, there are people who are more open-minded and shows like Netflix has Love on the Spectrum, um, you know, and they're trying to shine a light on individuals and really bring a sense of understanding that because communication can be more difficult doesn't mean that they're isn't this really beautiful human who wants to be present or part of your life or have the ability to take on new interests or tasks or anything. So do you feel like those types of um, content that are now being more, more broadly produced and showcased on major platforms, how do you feel that's helped with building awareness? I mean, you gave a good example. Law Spectrum does definitely try to put a good spin on it, but there's some that doesn't. So we need to study the facts because yeah. you could screw it up or you could really do really great. So definitely study, research, and make sure you go in the right direction is all I can really advise. Yeah, I think that's really fair, too. So are there certain resources or shows or types of content that you would recommend for people who want to understand autism more well, besides your podcast? Oh, thanks for that. Lots of guys. No, Kane. I would probably have to say, uh, what's that show called? Oh, good Doctor or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank you. The Good Doctor. That's a pretty good one. And so that's a dramatization. Do you feel like they, so you're, um, you see that as a good representation of being able to showcase what sort of the day-to-day -day of somebody living with autism and then the way people are interacting with them? I don't know that. I haven't watched much of it. All I can say is he knows his stuff. So there you go. All right. I mean, if you want some facts, that's your show right there. Yeah, fair enough. Now that you've gone through those, um, let's say, frustrating teenage years, I think for most of us. Why don't we just call what it is puberty? Honestly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. Just say it like it is. That's important. Go for it. Yes. The awkward years of puberty and just life in general at that age, do you feel like you are more comfortable with who you are now versus then in terms of showing up and taking ownership of your diagnosis and really stepping into that? I would say the most comfortable is now, but as the years went on, probably the more comfortable I got up until freshman year, that was the worst. So it was probably like, like, like a straight line, great, like average freshman year like completely down, just took a big, like down the hill and then uphill after some year. Downhill because no one was really paying attention. I almost by the way it is. My class probably wasn't the nicest class of all. And because I had limited sources at the time frame and I was a freshman, because you know how seniors and juniors, they how they feel about freshmen. Yep. <laughs> they are not 
going to do anything probably at all. So because of the sources I had, I was very lonely and just had to deal with more of the bullying, the exclusion, the stereotyping, and just dealing with, I'm better than you. Ha ha ha. You're not worth my time. How do you feel you ultimately got to a place where you were able to overcome that and feel more confident in yourself? I was just done with it. That's honestly your answer. I was done with it. I had to find a better place. I knew I was going to get there somehow, whether I made more friends or not. I think the, because what I've, what I've heard, and I wasn't for sure about them. My mother said it. she has insight because she's an eighth grade teacher. The class after me was probably one of the best classes she's ever had. So I kind of used that to my advantage a lot. And thankfully, I made some really good friends and really great people. And then some of the friends I probably did have back then who were probably just acquaintances that freshman year grew majorly. Yeah, that's great. I mean, having your mom be a teacher and looking at some of your other content, obviously your mom's really involved and able to help with some of the work that you're doing and clearly provide some insight really just based on the type of work that she does. Has that sort of been the case just from the get-go? Has your mom always been pretty much your biggest advocate? I would say so, yeah. I would probably say that a lot of my family has, my, I'll be honest, my family is very different. I have two sides of families, like most side, my father's side. They have different personalities, but one root that brings them together is they're both very supportive, no matter what their grandson, nephew, niece, whatever I am to them, yeah. does. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's really beautiful to have that connection with your family, too, and to have that support. Unless, unless you do something stupid, and then we're not, but... And I think that probably goes regardless of any diagnosis any of us have, is really if we're doing something stupid, we're probably going to have our family call us out on that. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, mom, can you bail me out? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully she's not getting that call anytime soon. <laughs> oh, oh, my mother, my mother wanted. She just probably like, no, son, you're, you're, you're done. Well, maybe, maybe she'd make you wait a little, you know? No, she wanted. So one of the things that I'm curious, you have, I, you have a bit of a cheeky sense of humor, which I appreciate. You really show up very authentically and you're direct in the way I think a lot of people expect people with autism to be direct. Do you feel like you're pretty comfortable talking with people because you've been doing the podcast or do you feel like that's something that you've always felt and this has just given you more of a platform to do that that's a good question too i think it's a lot of everything i think it's a lot i think it's the friendships that came the atheists who came to the high school i think it's a bit of the podcast the one i made before and this one and i think it's part of me as well i think i was ready for a time ready yeah. for what i was choosing to be in and it worked out. And for your information, my humor personally is basically any humor that you would probably see on the movie. Or actually, no, that's not a movie. TV series, Impractical Jokers, or Jackass. Think of that as one. That's my humor. All right. All right. Slapstick. The type of humor being a bit more like comedic in that regard. One of the other things I did want to just ask you about is how you made the decision to go and create Autism Rocks and Rolls as a nonprofit as well, because I believe you started it as a podcast. Yep. Like I said, it was just a hobby, expecting a few hits. But after getting sponsors, that's when it started to change. So we had to have a family meeting and basically made the decision, okay, do we want to go with this? Because we see something here. And I feel like we made the right decision. And I feel like if we said we would have said no, it would have happened regardless. 
I think that's amazing. It really just goes to show the importance of the message that you're sharing and how much it resonates with people. Again, just looking at what you've been able to do at such a young age, you've been really motivated. You're creating this huge opportunity for yourself. You've spoken to a lot of people. Where do you see or do you see this going somewhere specific versus where you are now? Or are you just kind of riding the wave and seeing what comes next? Riding the wave is, I guess, what you call it. So <laughs> definitely I'm riding the wave and trying to see where it takes me. Yeah. I mean, got, got me several places I didn't expect. Never expected to start speaking at schools. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what that experience has been like for you? Yeah. So my first ever school actually just happened this month. I was on a paper a while back ago and the school in Shoals, Indiana heard about it. And next thing you know, they're like, hey, um, want to come and speak? I was like, okay. And then basically we had to get the cost and all that. But that was my first school and definitely a good experience. I think you can imagine me. I'm a lot more of a fun person. We didn't want them to sit there. So I try to think of what we could do. And my best idea was uh, dance breaks, believe that or not. It worked out well for the kids, both young and old. Definitely worked out. Definitely doing it again. I think I have one coming up in December. So very this cool. was just elementary, though. That's cool. It's important to have those conversations at schools, especially when kids are younger, especially when you think about what your own experience was like and wanting there to be that sense of inclusion. And regardless of what age anybody is, what is something that you feel is really important when you go and you speak to kids at a school that you want to make sure that they they understand when you've left? I just want them to understand that it's okay to be yourself regardless of who you are and what background you came from. I also want them to see that you shouldn't try to be the the holster to your best friend. I think mainly you should have one, but get out there and kind of get out of the friend's face and go try to find another friend to be in their face. I know it's kind of a poorly... Example, but you get where I'm going with it. It's good to expand your circle and to meet new people and to try new things. And I think that's really a great message to share. So I have one more question for you that I think is really important because of the name of your podcast is Autism Rocks and Rolls. And when we first spoke, you had told me that a big part of that was that you love rock and roll. Can you tell me, do you have a favorite or a couple of favorite bands or musicians? Oh, it's hard to pick that because I have a lot of those. But we, I can probably change them. It, uh, yeah, we can do that. So um, ACDC and Nickelback nice. are a tie. And then probably Elvis is probably next. Can't go wrong with him. I agree uh, with that, that statement for sure. Guns and Roses, that's one that's a killer. And then so do you love else? guitar solos? Yeah, there's one more. Oh, actually a couple more. Metallica and Leonard Skinner. All right. My dad's a big Leonard Skinner fan, so I'm familiar with those too. It sounds like you've got quite the diverse playlist happening. <laughs> I'm very diverse in my music. I have a unique sense. If it's pop, I don't, I'm like whatever on the brand. As long as a song appeals to my ear, we're good to go. Yeah, I hear that. I care less if it's masculine or feminine. Yeah, (laughs) I understand that. So I'm curious because I know auditory processing can be um, something that's pretty sensitive for people with autism and ADHD. And I have ADHD, so I can, that resonates with me. Have you ever been to a live concert or is that something that doesn't really appeal to you? It does. And actually, I actually love it, believe it or not. I probably wouldn't be able to when I was younger, but yeah. rock and roll music was my therapy for that. And yeah. now because of that, my friend, I enjoy loud noises. I used to hate it. I mean, I remember going to wrestling shows and I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of a story that needs to be heard. So there's this wrestler named Kane. I don't know if you. I um, actually do. I actually do know because I had a friend growing up who was really into wrestling. So, yes, I okay. do know. Kane. 
do you know is pyro like when he throws the like kind of fire it's loud on tv but holy baloney it is loud when you go to a live event oh yeah and he changed and he changed it a lot and i didn't like the unexpectedness of it yeah so the first time i went to wrestlers on a smackdown and he threw his pyro and it wasn't his fault he didn't know he was doing his job but basically i just lost i lost it like i thought oh no and i did not enjoy that one bit so when we went to raw i kind of knew it but i still didn't like it at all i didn't like the pyro now i love it which is funny but um what i did the next year when i went to a wrestling show is i literally had a stand up i did not want to hear that sound again yeah, it's good that you were able to recognize that, though, and that you had a mechanism to to manage your own response to it. So I think that just signifies a sense of growth, too. Do you feel like that was something that going into that moment, you were able to be like, OK, I know that I don't want to experience this again, so I'm going to find a way to, to manage it, but still enjoy this experience? Yeah, that was probably the, that was the best thing I could do to think of enjoying that experience. Because I was like, I am not doing that again. And I thought, well, should I even go to a wrestling event because of this one pyro that's going to explode? Not realize it. Yeah. And I made the decision to do it because I thought, why am I missing this? And plus, I was a little older. So other than Kane's, the other pyros weren't that bad. And now, though, I'm crazy with it and love pyro. Well, there you go. It just goes to show the human evolution, no matter who we are, right? Things that we didn't like, we might like now. I went behind the basement with fireworks to now literally lighten them up. There you go. So really just opposite ends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now you're like, OK, I want to be by it now. I'm not I'm not going to go hide anymore. Well, Sam, I really appreciate the time that we were able to share. But before we we pop off, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Any message that you wanted to give to our listeners for someone who might want to learn more about you? I've got all of the information we can share in the show notes and everything. But are there any final words you want to share with our audience? Well, I mean, final words, but not the final words, but it's advice and kind of funny. I think the world could be nice and not be stupid. I think we get along a lot better. Won't you? Wouldn't you agree on that? I think that's tremendous advice. I guess the final words or advice is be nice and don't be stupid. I love it. I think the merch will sell itself. Just slap that on a mug. Well, I've considered it before. Believe. I, no, I, wait a minute. We have that. We have that in socks. And hey, while you're mentioning, I guess I could promote this. We have a new merch page, so feel free to check that out. Perfect, Sam. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your personal experiences and perspective with our listeners. I feel like I got to know you better and I appreciate that. I'm honored and very humbled to be part of your journey as you're continuing to share your message and raise awareness around autism. Please feel free to connect with me anytime and let me know how I can help you continue this journey. It's been really wonderful chatting with you and I look forward to seeing what else you're going to do with your podcast. Thank you for letting me on again. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. 
ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electricast.